when we really look at this world, we look at atrocities in the world, and when we really look honestly at our hearts, we say, man, things are not as they ought to be. We're enslaved to the things that we think are going to deliver, but they fail. And we are objects of wrath, completely cut off, separated from the author of life. So it's pretty bleak. Until we get to verse 4. And we encounter two of the most beautiful words in the world. But God. Welcome to CA Church Online. My name's John and I'm one of the pastors here. I'm lighting this candle to mark the first Sunday of Advent. Advent is the time of year where we marvel at the reality that because of his great love for us, God came down to earth in Jesus to deal with all of the sin, brokenness and darkness in the world and in our own lives. Over these next few weeks, we're going to be exploring how Jesus changes everything for everyone. Pastor David is going to introduce us to a very important truth, that the coming of Jesus brings the great reversal. What are words that you would use to describe how you're feeling about the world these days? Now, I don't know if it's because of the media or what, but I often feel a sense, actually, I, I feel the weight of the entire world, it seems, and its problems all at once. And it's overwhelming, because there's always something to be concerned about, uh, always something to be afraid of. If it's not a virus, then it's a looming war. If it's not a looming war, then it's a heat dome. And if it's not a heat dome, then it's record rainfall and flooding. We read about supply chain shortages, chip shortages, not even the potato kind, shortage of cars, run on toilet paper again. And it seems like there's always something that's rattling us. In fact, a lot of things are rattling. And I think about last year at this time, I mean, we went into Christmas thinking that things were gonna be the exception to the norm. We talked about online church, online Advent, and the understanding that this was just temporary. Just wait till next year when things go back to normal. Now, things have improved somewhat. There still seems to be this heaviness hanging over us that we just can't shake. And I wonder if you can feel it. I feel it. And, and more than ever, we're aware that there's something wrong with this world. Uh, we feel that uh, this world is getting steadily worse and worse. I think this is where a bit of perspective can be helpful. And, and history often gives us just that perspective. Because history teaches us that, yeah, there is something wrong with this world. But there's always been something wrong with the world. Um, in fact, things may even have been worse than they are today at some points. But the theme is constant. There is something wrong with this world. There's always been something wrong with the world, and the reason for that is that there's something wrong with you and with me. Now, for followers of Jesus Christ, saying that there's something wrong with the world shouldn't come as news. I mean, the heart of darkness which dwells in every heart has been taught throughout the pages of Scripture. I mean, listen to how Paul describes the human condition. Paul says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, 
like the rest of mankind. Wow, Merry Christmas. <laughs> I mean, what a passage. But let's look a little closely about what Paul says about the state of our hearts. I mean, Paul says a number of things. He says, first off, that you and I were dead. For who is this we, Paul, that you're referring to? Well, it's every one of us. Every single human being. And what does he mean by dead? Does he mean that, that maybe we're oblivious or that we don't really understand things at one point? No. What Paul is saying when he says we're dead, he means dead. He's describing that, the state that all of humanity finds itself in. Outside of Jesus, we're separated from the author of life and we're cut off from life and we are spiritually dead. And what causes this death? Well, Paul points out, it's connected to our sins and our trespasses. To trespass is, of course, to take a wrong step, to cross a boundary that you shouldn't cross, or leaving the right path. To sin, as you've probably heard, is to miss the mark. It's to fall short of the way we're supposed to live, to do what we shouldn't be doing, or not do what we ought to be doing. So how does death come about? Well, it starts right from the get-go. It is the issue that you find way back in Genesis. In Genesis 3, where you find a, a man and a woman in the garden, they're in perfect communion with God but they begin to be tempted to think that maybe God isn't as good as he says he is. Or they're tempted to live independently from God. And so in Genesis 3, there's a trespass, there's a sin and a separation. And the story of the Bible and the story of the world is being played out from that moment. We become blind to the glory of God, to his ways. And, and though we may look alive and healthy on the outside, inwardly we are in a mess load of trouble. Why? Because we're separated from the giver of life. And not only are we dead, Paul says, but we are enslaved. We are enslaved in, in three ways, to the world, to the devil, and to the flesh. We're enslaved to the way of the world. What is the way of the world? Well, it's living with your head down. It's living as if God does not exist, nor does he matter. We look around at the world and we take our cues on how we live from it. We look, we look at the world and we let um, our sense of identity be taken from it. Uh, how many likes we get or how many shares our, our posts you know, end up having. We look around at the world and we let our, our careers and our, our livelihoods be determined by it. We let our understanding of, of how communities and cities and nations work to be shaped by the world. We let our understanding of sexuality, marriage, and family to be formed by it. And our values have been and are continuing to be set by a godless way of, li of life, shaped by a godless vision of reality. As Eugene Peterson paraphrased it, he says, we, we quote, let the world which does not know the first thing about living tell us how to live. And when we live with our heads down, our world shrinks and we get kind of stuck into this little cubicle of reality. And what disappears is wonder, is imagination. And true life gets sucked out of day-to-day -day living and we feel like Bilbo, like butter scraped over too much toast. Secondly, Paul says we're enslaved by the prince of the power of the air. Well, now what does he mean by this? Well, the word air can be translated as like a foggy atmosphere. And what it means is we live our lives in such a way where we can't see properly. Everything around us seems so overwhelming, so confusing, and it's hard to have perspective. And we follow whatever happens to be trending, and, 
And, and that means that our lives and our worlds are being shaped by malevolent forces. And I know it sounds a little old-fashioned to talk about the devil in this day and age, but the reality is, is there's a lot more going on than we realize. I like what Daryl Johnson, he asked some questions. He says, do you think human trafficking is just the work of humans? Do you think the stranglehold that pornography has over our lives is simply the work of human beings? Do you think that the chokehold of consumerism is just the work of humans? Paul explains that we used to walk according to the prince of the power of the air who actually messes with us, who messes and exacerbates human sin to bring us down into the pit. And then Paul says we are enslaved by our own desires. Now, there's nothing wrong with desires in, in and of themselves. Desires can be good. I, I desire that Canada will make the World Cup in Qatar. I desire that the Toronto Maple Leafs will win the Stanley Cup. And I get it, some desires are not realistic. Um, but what Paul's talking about is distorted desires. These are when we desire things that in the end, they, they mess us up. And how many people do you know who, who, who desire things and they can't help but desire these things, but these things do a number on them? That's the desire that Paul's getting at here. And so Paul teaches us that we're dead. We were enslaved. And finally, he teaches us that we are condemned. He writes that we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of humanity. Well, and you might be thinking at this stage, David, this, this is not a very Christmassy message. <laughs> um, you know, what are you giving us? Like a Christmas card that you open up and says, you know, Merry Christmas, you are a child of wrath. I mean, that's not very Merry Christmassy. But what is Paul saying here? This is important. I mean, when he talks about God's wrath, it's not some arbitrary anger that God has that he lashes out on un unsuspecting people. No, it's not spite, not malice, not animosity or revenge. No, what it's describing is, is God's personal, righteous, constant hostility to sin and to evil. It is God's deep sense of justice related to his holiness that's at work here. It's God's desire to make all things right. And the problem runs deep into every human heart, every heart. The sin in the, in the garden begins a trajectory that carries right onto today. It's like dropping a little pebble in a still lake and the ripples extend outwards. And I, 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 I recognize as some of you hearing this today, uh, you're not finding a lot of comfort and joy yet. And also I, I recognize that some of you just don't buy what Paul is teaching here. Even in the church, some people don't take Paul seriously. And yet, and yet, um, I hear hints of agreement, though. When we really look at this world, we look at atrocities in the world, and when we really look honestly at our hearts, we say, man, things are not as they ought to be. And so believe it or not, this is a situation for all of humanity. Because sin has entered the world, we are in a load of trouble. We are dead to the things of God. We're enslaved to the things that we think are going to deliver, but they fail. And we are objects of wrath, completely cut off, separated from the author of life. So it's pretty bleak. Until we get to verse 4. And we encounter two of the most beautiful words in the world. But God. Let me read what it says but God. So Paul finishes in verse 3. He says, We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. 
Then he says this, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Oh Lord, thank you for your grace in this. The good news of Advent is this, but God. God will not leave us in our desperate situation. In Jesus, God comes down. At Christmas, love comes down. Oh, and what a journey down it is. And in Jesus, God becomes one of us, a full flesh and blood human, and enters into the mess of this world, into the mess of our lives. God comes down into all of this. And what does he do? Well, he grabs hold of us and he rescues us. And that's, that's a picture of salvation. It's we have been rescued. The living God rescues us and pulls us out of this mess. And he offers us grace. And you have to get this. Grace means receiving that which we do not deserve. Justice is getting what we deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. But grace is getting what we don't deserve. And God makes us alive with Christ. He raises us up with Christ. And he seats us with Christ in the heavenly places. He brings us out of the pits, out of the snare of this world. And we are made alive. And so all that is wrecking our lives is reversed by God's amazing grace. That's why we're calling this series The Great Reversal. We were dead, but God made us alive in Christ. We were enslaved, but God set us free in Christ. We were condemned, but God adopts us as sons and daughters in Christ. My goodness, this is amazing. We were without hope in a cold and lonely world. God, because of his great love with which he loved us, sent his son to rescue us. Jesus of Nazareth, being crucified, he was lying in a tomb, but God raised him to life. And in Jesus, he raises us also up to life. And you know, the trajectory of this world was towards sin and death, but God reverses everything in Jesus, and he makes us alive with Jesus. And this Advent, do you see what Paul wants you to see? Do you, do you hear the good news that Paul wants you to hear? We were dead, but in Jesus we come alive. And man, this is really, really good news. Because how many of you are feeling like you're in a pit these days? How many of you are so close to feeling overwhelmed by all that's going on in the world today? I know I, I often do. When we live our lives with our heads down, it's really easy to fall into despair. It's, it, it's easy to feel dead inside. Anybody feel dead inside? Well, Advent is all about God coming to the rescue. 
It's all about him entering into the mess of this world, reversing the trajectory of our lives. And I remember, I remember Christmas. I remember Christmas years ago. Many of you know I grew up as, you know, as an atheist and I was living overseas. And I remember one Christmas in Shanghai. I was working and living in Shanghai and my, my, the, the trajectory of my life was towards death, towards destruction. I remember coming home one Christmas Eve in a taxi with some buddies. We were out drinking that night and we got hit by a truck. Amazingly, we, 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 we weren't injured. But I remember going back to my hotel room thinking, man, what if that had been it? What if, what if I had died that night? <laughs> what was my life all about? And, uh, and I, I just felt really down. I just like, well, what, what is it all about? The trajectory of my life is just heading nowhere good. And some of you can relate to that. Some of you, you're looking at the trajectory of your life and you're like, man, this is not looking good. And that's why we need to hear these words today. But God, because of his great love, he rescued me. And here's the thing, he will rescue you. And because of Christmas, because of the incarnation, God become man, Jesus Christ. Nothing would or will ever be the same again. And the trajectory of our lives can be changed. And I'm guessing some of you need to be reminded of this today because it's easy to fall into the habit of living life with our heads down, blinders on, and feeling overwhelmed. And some of you need to hear this for the first time. You need to look around and recognize things are not as they seem. And the invitation is to lift up your head and to realize that this, your life does not have to be this way. And though you feel the weight of guilt and shame in your life for things you've done and things you wish you hadn't done, you need to realize that guilt and shame will not have the final word. But God because of his great love with which he loves us. He will make us alive together in Jesus Christ. And that is the invitation for you today. Jesus, we welcome you. Thank you that though we were enslaved, though we were dead, though we were lost, we read, but God. Because of your great love, you make us alive together in Jesus. And may we embrace the hope that Christmas offers. In Jesus' name, amen. Everlasting light The
for Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above while mortals sleep the angels keep their watch of wandering love O morning stars together proclaim the praises sing to God the King and peace to men on earth How silently How silently the wondrous gift is given So Today, we heard from David that we were dead, but God made us alive in Christ. We were enslaved, but God set us free in Christ. We were condemned, but God adopts us as sons and daughters in Christ. This changes everything for us. And I want to encourage you, wherever you are right now, to not go through Advent with your head down. Today, look up and see what God has done for you. Because of his great love for us, he has made us alive with Jesus. As we end our time today, I've got a few announcements for you. It's our missions update weekend, which means I get the privilege of sharing some of the ways God is leading us as a church to meet the physical and spiritual needs of those around us. There's a lot going on in December. 
first, we have Christmas Village. It's just two weeks away. On December 10th and 11th, we're gonna have the opportunity to share a message of hope about what Christmas is all about to hundreds of people over a Christmas meal. Every person attending will receive gifts for their children. And right now, we have a huge need for gifts that we can give away. Church, we really do need a village of toys for Christmas Village. For those who are wanting to help with this, please bring your gift donations to the church over this next week. We need gifts from children ages 6 to 16. Our cultural food pantry has been open for almost two months. It's been incredible to see so many people come through into the space, receive much needed food, while spending time connecting and praying with people from our church. I want to remind you that we are always in need of food items to be donated. You can find a list of non-perishable goods that we need on our website. Another area of need this Christmas season is with our cars ministry. Some of you may be thinking about upgrading your vehicle, perhaps taking advantage of those end of year sales. We have people waiting in the wings who could really use a vehicle and people who are ready and willing to make sure that any vehicle that is donated is fixed up, safe and ready to go. If you have a spare vehicle or are considering getting an upgrade, I would ask you to pray and consider giving that car as a tangible expression of God's love. Lastly, I wanted to mention that once again, this year we've stepped out in faith in the area of our missions giving. Right now, we've fallen considerably low of our giving goal for the year. And we are praying for those funds to come in so that we can continue to do all that we believe God is calling us to do in the area of missions. As we head into the end of the year, I would ask you to consider how God may be leading you to give towards missions, to continue to see the good news of Jesus spread throughout the world. The final thing I wanted to tell you about today is our upcoming Christmas Eve services. We're so excited about coming together in December to celebrate the coming of Jesus. And we want to encourage you to invite friends, family, neighbours, co-workers to come and join us. On Christmas Eve, we'll be gathering at our Marina campus at one o'clock, three o'clock and five o'clock. You can join us at our town centre campus with our services at 12 and 2 p.m. And our newest campus, the Rail City campus in Port Moody, will be having a Christmas Eve service at 4 p.m. We will also have an online Christmas experience for you to share. We're excited for you to join us at one of these times. If you'd like to connect with someone here at the church, we'd love to hear from you. Please head to cachurch.info and click the I'm new or newish tab. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Have a fantastic week.